Hello, this is Mike Van Meter, and this is the Recovery is Possible podcast. And I want to thank you for joining me. And you can reach out to us on our Facebook site, which is also Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. And our mission is to educate and help people overcome addiction, realize their potential, and live life to its fullest. The vision that we have is to remove the stigma associated with addiction so people can get the help that they need and live healthy and productive lives. And, you know, we believe that the the values of understanding that addiction is a disease, that there's nothing to be ashamed of. And remember that recovery is a process. It requires constant learning and reflection. And with that, absolutely, you have to have community support, which is essential to helping people suffering from addiction and to help them achieve long-term sobriety. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, particularly the first year of recovery. I get asked about that quite a bit, is what is that first year of recovery like? What do you do to stay sober? What are techniques that are helpful? And, you know, really just why is it so difficult? And I get asked that all of the time. And there is no doubt, folks, that that first year of recovery is just difficult. It really is. And and if you know somebody that's in recovery or trying to be in recovery or who's been in long-term recovery, everybody will tell you that that first year is just a bear to get through. In fact, I'll go a step further to say that that first month, that first 30 days, it just seems to be like that magical, mythical uh, thing that a lot of people uh, strive to get. And you, you hear it very common. Hey, uh, you know, I was, I was able to put together two weeks. I was able to put together, uh, 28 days, 29 days, but just something about that 30 days is very, very difficult. And then, um, it, when people get past that mark and oftentimes it's, it's, uh, several times that they try to get past that mark, then the next obstacle is getting out to that year. And there are studies out there that show that if you get to one year uh, or more, your chances of getting into long-term sobriety, which is defined really as two to five years, that really five years is considered long-term recovery, that if you can get past that first year, your chances of getting into and staying in long-term recovery are exponentially increased. So we want to do everything that we can to get past that first year. So how do we do that? Well, first and foremost is don't drink or drug (laughs) in those 24 hours. You know, in recovery, we look at sobriety as being 24 hours a day, a period of 24 hours. So one thing I would suggest with folks is you just don't look at lengths of time, long lengths of time. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you know somebody that's got 10 years of recovery, 20 years of recovery, maybe even one year, if you, if you're somebody struggling to get sober and, and you meet somebody with just those long lengths of time, it just seems impossible, doesn't it? It just, it just does. In fact, you may be asking yourself, well, was that person an alcoholic or an addict to begin with? I mean, if they're able to go that long without drinking or drugging, maybe they weren't really addicts to begin with. And that's a very common thought that that people have. How can you go that long? Because you know that if you are struggling, and right right now as you're listening to my voice, if you are struggling to put together one day, that 24 hours seems impossible, doesn't it? So anything beyond that 
just seems insurmountable. So what we want to do in recovery is we don't want to look at those long days. Don't think in terms of years or months. Think in terms of days. And you want to really live in the present moment. And that's a big thing in recovery is being present. We don't dwell on the past because there's nothing that we can do about the past, and we don't worry about the future. Now, let let me address that here for a second. What do I mean by that? Oftentimes, the cause of your condition, the cause of you going to that first drink or drug every single day is wanting to escape from whatever situation you're in. Oftentimes, resentments, anger, loneliness, uh, just bitterness, whatever, whatever it may be. And then, in another podcast, I talk about the physiological condition. So you 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 are upset, you're resentful, you're angry, so you pick up that first drink or drug, and then you start that physiological process, which you have a genetic predisposition for, and you start that addiction cycle. But what gets you started is that, that resentment and that anger. So we want to avoid that. Now, what... what happens is you think about things that have happened in your past. You've been wrong. You've been angered. And what you want to do in recovery, and you have to do this, you have to be very vigilant about this in the first year, is don't do that. You don't don't think about the past. Don't dwell on the past. Because let me ask you a question. Can you do anything about it? Is there anything that you can do to change anything that has happened in your life? And the obvious answer to that is no. You can't do anything about it. So why dwell on it? You cannot change it. So don't dwell on it. We want to live in the present. I, I like to use the analogy of you know driving down the road in a car. When you drive a, ro- a car that is moving, you're moving forward, right? So that's kind of like life. We're moving forward. And you know sometimes you go backwards, but eventually, but you don't go backwards very far. You, you you want to move your car forward. We don't drive our cars backwards. We drive forwards. And we do that by looking through the windshield. And the windshield is big. <clears throat> we can look out that windshield, but we're focused on that. Now, we'll occasionally look up at the, the rearview mirror to see what's behind us, maybe even peek over at the side view mirrors, and we'll glance at it just to see if there's anything back there. Well, in recovery, that's kind of like us um, remembering where we've come from but we don't dwell on it. So we we look at it, but we don't dwell on it. Now, why do we want to look at it at all in recovery? Well, you want to look at it, you want to at least be aware of it because you don't want to go back to your past. That's the only time we think about the past. What you want to do is, is think about your past when you think that whatever situation you're in leads you to conclude that picking up a drink or a drug would be the best option in your life at that moment. And at that moment, that's when you want to look in the rearview mirror and say, oh, yeah, nope, that would not be a good idea. And then once you get back on track, then you go back and you look through that, that windshield and continue to move forward. Now, we also don't dwell on the future. Because let me ask you this. Are you going to be alive tomorrow? at 8 o'clock p.m. Well, you might say, well, of course I'm going to be. Well, uh, what I'm going to say to you is, how do you know that? What date are you going to die? What time are you going to die on that date? Well, the fact is, none of us know the answer to that. You can't possibly know that. 
So why think about it? Why dwell on it? You don't know what's going to happen in your life. You don't know where you're going to be. You don't know what's going to happen. And the fact is, is that well over 90% of the things that we worry about in our lives, worry about happening in the future, never really happen. Or they at least don't happen the way that we think that they're going to happen. Just think about that in your life. Think of all the things that you've worried about in your life. Did they really happen? Or did they happen the way that you thought they were going to happen? Probably not. And since you don't know that you're even going to be alive, then don't worry about it. So what does that leave you with? What it leaves you with is the present. You worry about today, and today is this 24 hours. So every day you get up, you think, well, first of all, thank, thank your higher power for the fact that you're, you woke up without a hangover, and that's, that's, a, that's, a nice, that's a nice thought to have, and that's a nice feeling to have. And you get up, and you ponder the day ahead. And you think about how you can be of the best use to everyone around you, because that's a big thing in recovery, is your life now is about service to others, service to the fellow uh, traveler in your life that you know is, is, is suffering from addiction, you, so your job is to help them. Your job is to serve the people in your family, your spouse, your significant uh, other, whoever you're living with, your employer, um, your children, everything, everybody. Your life now is about service to others. And that's what we're going to think about, because we aren't going to be thinking about and dwelling on ourselves. The more that we think about others, the less that we think about ourselves. And that's key. And that's what, what we want. So we get up and we, we think about the day ahead. And if you're in early recovery and you're struggling with uh, the, the, the urges, the, the urges that come from the physiology that has not healed itself. And I've talked about that in another process, what's going on inside your body. You, the, the B vitamins have not been, uh, balanced out. The serotonin levels, the GABA levels have not been balanced out. And it takes about a year to a year and a half of that to, to heal. And that's part of why that first year is so difficult. So <clears throat> we are, we, are, we know that we are going to have those urges throughout the day. So what do we do? We break the day up into chunks. We might say, all right, well, it's 6 a.m. Can I make it until 9 a.m. without a drink or a drug? Then you make it to 9 a.m. And then you just think to yourself, well, can I make it to noon? Can I make it to 3? Can I make it to 6 p.m. to 9 p.m.? Can I make it to bedtime? And when you, th- when you break the time periods up into those smaller pieces that it makes it easier for you to stay into recovery because you're not thinking about an entire day. You're not thinking about the week. You're not thinking about the, the month. You're thinking about today and you're thinking, in fact, you're thinking about parts of the day. It's kind of like <clears throat> analogy I like to use is let's say ultra running, right? When I first got into recovery, Ultra running, running long distance events was something that I that I got into. I don't necessarily recommend that. <laughs> it's a, um, there are uh, less of abu- less abusive things you can do your to your body than than that. However, that, n- n- nevertheless, that's that's what I did. And when you, if you're going to be doing a fifty mile run, that's pretty daunting, isn't it? I mean, that's a very daunting thing to engage in. So what do you do? You don't think about the fact that you're running 50 miles. What you do is you think, well, I'm just going to run these three miles. 
I'm just going to run up to that that curve over there. I'm going to run up that hill. I'm going to go down the other side. I'm going to run to that aid station. And so your mind, you you sort of trick your mind into uh, getting it to believe that you're not actually doing 50 miles. You're just doing short runs. Like, hey, I can run three miles. No big deal. Then you run the three miles. Well, you know what? I'm going to do two miles now. Or I'm going to run another hour. I'm going to run a 10K. And what you do is you trick your mind into thinking that this isn't really that big of a deal. Anybody could do that. Anybody could jog a mile. Right. But you just do that over and over and over. And then before you know it, there you go. You've, you've done 50 miles. Well, sobriety is kind of the same way. You, you don't think about the years ahead. You just focus on today and then break it up into those chunks of the day. And you just think, of course I can go three hours without a drink. Of course I can go three hours without a drug. Can anybody do that? Sure. And then you do it and you go, well, I can make it until lunchtime without a drink, right? Anybody can do that. And those are the just the little chunks that you do every single day. And then before you know it, the day has passed. And then before you know it, another day has passed. Then a week. And then what you're going to find and I see this with a lot of people, is when they get to a year, at the end of the year, they say, you know, I really can't believe that a year went by. I've seen that with people with five years, 10 years. Man, I cannot believe 10 years just went by and I've not had a drink or drug. Just, I can't believe that that happened. But they didn't look at it. They didn't set out to get 10 years. They just set out to get 24 hours of sobriety, but they start to add up. In fact, you'll hear people that have been sober for a long time, but people who have been sober for many, many years, you will often hear them say, I don't have 30 years of sobriety, I just have today. Because you do know that it is a daily struggle, and you really need to look at, at it as a 24-hour period because that's really all you have. Your sobriety ends the minute you pick up that drink or that drug, and it's dependent upon you uh, maintaining that diligence in that that period, and you can throw that out that, the window uh, very, very quickly. So with in addition to what you're doing in that, that first year, particularly in that first year because you're trying to heal your body, is remember, when you were drinking or drugging or whatever other addiction you were involved in, there's a lot of other addictions that are out there as well, you spent a lot of time doing that. You know, when I ask people, how much time did you spend drinking per day on weekdays? The, I'm talking, you know, weekdays, not even weekends or holidays. Uh, oftentimes, it's three, four, five hours is, is a very common occurrence. Well, think about that. If you stop drinking, now you got three, four, five hours that you're not drinking. And so that's a lot of free time you're not used to having. So what do you do? Well, you have to fill that time with something else. You have to fill that vacuum with something. You just can't have that blank spot in your life because chances are, if you've been drinking or drugging for many years, you're not used to that and you don't know what to do. So you fill it. You fill it with other things other things, other hobbies, other activities. I just mentioned, you know, for me, it became health and fitness. Um, it became running. Um, but being um, someone that's wired into this addictive nature, you know, it's very typical of us, and I think many of you can relate to this, is that we look at it as, all right, well, I can do a mile. Well, why not do three miles? Well, if I can do three, why not 10? Well, if 10 is good, well, then a marathon must be good. Oh, I have an idea. Why don't I run to run to the finish line in a marathon and then go back 
to the beginning, and that would be ultra an ultra marathon. Um, that's what I did basically. Now, here's the thing: I I understood that I understood that that was excessive. I understood that, but I needed it at the time. The urges for me were so great in the beginning that I really needed something over the top, really, to kind of keep me in check. And running a lot was better than the alternative. It really was. But as I mentioned, I knew it, I was aware of it, and I also knew that that was going to only go on for so long, and then I would have to find other activities that were not as extreme on my body. And I did that by working with people, being in that community that we're talking about, and having people reflect back to me and say, you know, Mike, that, that's great, it's great that you're not drinking, but you know, you want to... Uh, you want to you want to balance your life out. You want to balance things up because if nothing else, your body's just going to give out. You know, at the the age I'm at, you know, I'm not in my 20s anymore, and you know, you can create other issues for your health by by going into these extreme activities. But that's what I did in my first year of recovery. Um, I just didn't give myself a lot of free time. You know, one of the nice things about recovery is you you learn a lot about yourself, and you have to understand that. There are universal principles in recovery, but there's a lot to it that is specific to you as an individual and how you think and how you are motivated and the things that, that, that you will use to occupy your time that may be different, well, will be different than how I occupy my time. And you have to understand that. So for me, for Mike, I understood that I could not have that free time. I got into health and fitness because that was something that I was into. It's something I wanted to be into. And I utilized that to fill up those hours that uh, I was using otherwise, you know, prior. So uh, I also uh, became spin certified, became a, you know, a cycling instructor. And I intentionally um, uh, taught classes very early in the morning, 5 a.m. And, and that way, if there was a temptation for me to drink the night before, I couldn't do it because I would have this commitment the next morning. And, and, and just in my mind, there was no way I was going to do that and let the students down. Plus, I had to get up very early. So I, I, it was a way, a safety check if you will, for me to make sure that I got up and taught that class, then it was also physical exercise. And remember, I've talked about studies that have have discussed how exercise, particularly aerobic exercise, can help the healing process in your body and in your brain. The oxygen really helps. And so uh, I would get up early, I would teach those classes, would go to work, would come home, would go to a meeting. And in fact, in the early days, I would go to more than one recovery meeting, um, and then uh, would would go home, uh, maybe work out again, or for the first time if I hadn't worked out for that day, and then go to you know, go to a meeting and read literature. I want to tell you right now, in the first year of my recovery, I exclusively read recovery related material, books, magazines. Um, listen to lectures, a lot of podcasts, like what we're doing right here, this podcast. That's one of the things that motivated me to start my own podcast was other people's podcasts really helped me in those early days. And you just filling your brain full of that knowledge, um, getting into a community, working with other people that are in recovery, helping other people that are in recovery, but spending that time. And then by the end of the day, you, you, you know, by the end of the day, the, the, it was, I was spent 
I was spent, but it was all very useful, and I had grown, and I had gotten another day. And that's the key, is just filling that, that time up, breaking it down into chunks, learning as much as you can, looking at other people, looking at examples, both good and bad, because you'll see a lot of that. Um, you'll see a, a lot of what not to do in recovery, but of course you'll see a lot of good examples as well. And just soak all of that in. And before you know it, you'll have a year. And so, folks, tonight I just wanted to share with you some of my thoughts on that first year of recovery, talk about why it's difficult, talk about what you can do, and some of those techniques that I used that might be able to help you, right? So, uh, as I always like to say, I don't represent any particular group. I don't represent uh, anyone other than myself. And my only purpose in giving you this information is to share with you what I have done and it helped me. Maybe it will help you. And and if something that I've said here does not apply to you or you don't agree with, just discard it. But try to take any information that you you can use to help yourself to do that and then help others as well. And that's what we do. That's what we do in recovery is we help others along the way and we help impart the knowledge that we've gained. So with that, again, you know, please visit my website, evanmeterwellnesssolutions.com or my Facebook site, Recovery is Possible, and I'd love to hear from you. So take care, guys, and I will talk to you next time.